0: Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store. i'm rebecca roberts hi
1: i'm harriet small welcome to have you got five minutes the pr comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked about
0: at an event or while making a brew in the office hi rebecca hey harriet how are you i'm good it's hot it is really hot we're so easily to moan in britain like as soon as it gets like above 20 it's like it's too hot now can't work in this heat
1: (laughs) so i don't know whether you've noticed it i think Every year around this time, everyone's company logo changes and becomes a rainbow for Pride. And I think that's a problem.
0: Yeah, it's Pride Month, maybe like it is just my fee. But what I've noticed in particular is there's been a lot more discourse about it this year. A lot more people challenging the lip service around Rainbow Washing to the companies who are happy to celebrate LGBTQ plus community, but perhaps do so without demonstrating or discussing what's needed for more equality. Seen it a lot, and without going too political, in particular in the American examples, people calling out brands and organisations who have also funded congressmen who have actively spoken out against equality or not supported it. What's interesting in the US is the uncovering of investment from corporations to members of Congress who have scored zero on the Human Rights Campaign Congressional Scorecard, which rates politicians on their support of laws that would help achieve equality and protections for the LGBTQ plus community. And I think on that level, it's really interesting because people have written very vocal I think cancel culture is a challenging one. But I just think as a comms and marketing community, like what can you do to make sure or to reflect like the worst case is being called out for doing something disingenuous. What do you think?
1: There was an interesting video last year, 2020. It was done by the agency YKN Kennedy. It was called Queer Brick. It was a brilliant advert and it was all around um, raising money for a charity that supports homeless people who are LGBTQ+. And one of the most interesting things about that video is it talks about what is Pride Month and the history of Pride and where it started from and the fact that it was actually started as a riot. So when people try to make it into this thing, which is like, I know we people want to do campaigns and they want to make it colourful and bright and everything else. But I think as the years have gone on, a lot of the history has been lost and I saw this term on other box. They called it rainbow capitalism, where companies benefit and actually capitalise from pride and from LGBTQ plus celebrations, yet do not give back to those communities in a in a in a genuine way. And I think the problem is is that even internally or externally, whatever audience you're speaking to, you have to remember that if they don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, it doesn't achieve anything. So if internally you're raising a flag about the pride flag, that's great. But have you taken the time to explain to your audience the history of pride, where it started from, and making sure that you don't erase certain communities such as Black trans women or people who passed away in the 80s and 90s from HIV, especially in the gay community, and talking about their legacy. And I think a lot of there's been a lot of erasure over the years around Pride as well. And that's really, really sad.
0: Yeah, I read a term in an article I was reading and um, they basically described rainbow washing as a calorie-free form of allyship. I thought that was a really neat way of describing it because they were saying it's just, it's a visual, it's a picture, it's quite shallow. And the bare minimum of saying that you support a community, is it's literally like the bare minimum to say that you accept or support something whereas the sinister side of that like you say it's that rainbow capitalism but also using it as a way to distract from a real issue like something that they're not actually supporting that they're funding a congressman that's very anti-equality or they're not really genuinely doing something and i think you know we've talked before about holding space and i think very few corporations or organizations will have it perfectly right but i think unless like you say you can have honest conversations and do something genuine so i was googling like right what companies have done some good things you know there are quite a lot of examples of companies doing things like um, investing or donating profits to certain groups to do things addressing policies internally talking about things that need to happen or telling stories in a genuine way and they've got a few examples so like skittles have done this for the second year where they've done like the, the white skittles taking all the color out of it put it in gray packaging it's quite a visual thing but it's great because i remember my kids saying well, why have they done this and we started a discussion they donate profits to that lego created everybody's awesome it's a set and it's like a rainbow set it's great yeah everyone is awesome and you've got old navy who've done this thing called Project We and it's like a t shirts created with diverse artists on a range of cultural touch points over the year. So doing something that they can donate profits from, but do something creative that they can kind of sell in store. Like you can argue a lot of these that have a commercial aspect to them, but it's better than just an avatar. So I suppose the more the point was around like as marketing and comms you've got to come up with ways, you know, to talk about things. But I think like you say, you lose a lot you erase a lot of that history and depth if it's just a shallow fun thing because There is a lot more to it than that. And I think if you just go down the one route of just being like a viable thing or something fun, you're kind of missing out on some real discussions and ways you can kind of embrace your own staff as well.
1: Yeah, and it also has to be all year round. It it can't just be something that we do... In the summer, June, July, it's a big thing. Yes, we've done it. Now, all the rest of the year, we just sort of move on and carry on business as usual. It has to be something that happens all year round. It has to be a conscious decision where if you're doing a campaign, how are you communicating with different audiences How are you including more diverse stories into your campaigns and into your comms? How are you engaging different staff, thinking about them all year round? I cannot remember for the life of me, the company that it was, but they did this incredible Christmas campaign. It was an internal comms campaign and they were talking about how when people got home for Christmas, the experience is different for everybody. And some people who come from certain communities, LGBTQ plus, when they go home for Christmas, they have to hide themselves and they can't be out to their families the same way people who are straight can and I think that campaign was just brilliant for Christmas because no, I've never seen anybody capture Christmas like that before so yeah, I'll find the campaign and put it in the show notes for you
0: The other key thing I was thinking like as Marker comes if you feel your organisation were paying lip service to it like how can you hold up a mirror and sort of say the risk of doing this in a bad way is we get called out our role is like often you know you'll just be told "Oh, well, it's Pride month we need to do x y and z but i think we can do more to sort of challenge leadership internally to say like these are examples of companies that have done it really wrong like how else can we do this in a more consistent like considered way and i think that hopefully because it's it's difficult like if you're in a junior position or just asked to tick a box to put a rainbow avatar on i think we have to go beyond that now so for our five minutes this episode we're going to be talking about we can learn a lot from gaming now i bang on about channels and platforms a lot in some of the work i do particularly around engaging young people but what i think is really interesting when it comes to gaming platforms specifically those that you use to kind of engage audiences and friends whilst gaming is that they're designed for second screening and i think they work so much better than some of the other platforms because they have like multi streams on there for pictures video and and voice and all the rest of it and i just think we're kind of professional part-time engagers now and you look at sort of twitch and discord i just think there's a lot we could learn from those platforms what do you think
1: this one I was like do I know anything about this and then I had to think a little bit and I remember when I worked at Sky and obviously they have budgets and they're slightly ahead but what they used to do which was really really interesting is they used to do this they had like a part in the reception where you could try all these things around animation and gaming and it was really interesting and it used to engage people and then I actually thought well in this time where we're isolated and we're not in the same experience that we were, for organisations that actually have budgets, you can actually create games around certain things. So for example, for your new starters, if somebody's joined the organisation, they don't know how the office looks like, they don't know many people, if you created a game for them to actually get to know the organisation, maybe go through the different levels of the game, you could actually really cleverly use some of the gamification to engage them in the organisation and make them feel a part of it so they don't feel they're on the back foot. I think the other thing around gaming that I really, really find interesting is how they manage to keep people hooked. So even the basics like Candy Crush, the fact that people just keep going back to Candy Crush, because it's it's that challenge, isn't it? You never really just go through all the levels easily. They, it's always difficult. And I think that's something that I think sometimes we we miss out a lot in communications where we don't think about, okay, how are actually people going to access this in different levels? And actually put some barriers in it so that they feel like they're actually working for it a little bit.
0: Yeah, like for me, it's the social scene. So lots of days this past year that like, you know, I think it was like 97% of like, can't remember the age group, but a, a high proportion of people have been gaming because of lockdown. But when you think about gaming, it's always been seen as this kind of like slightly niche group, less socially acceptable, bit nerdy, very like specific interest group. And I think it's become much more acceptable. So over 30% of adults identify as a gamer or we'll talk about the fact they game. But for me, the biggest thing around gaming in recent years has been the social side of it. So there are games like Candy Crush or whatever, but increasing now there are games where you will play on the platform and talk to your friends, but you also use Twitch and Discord to engage with other users. And so you look at YouTube, number one kind of platform amongst young people, children and adults for like a decade, they've really not being that creative and you look at platforms like twitch which are extreme niche groups very much a gaming site now Been brought up by amazon now has sport on there now has music on there and they're connecting very niche groups and passionate groups on a certain topic that you podcasts are on there as well people can talk around stuff and i find it really interesting when you look at some of the content on there how it connects people and it's building almost like this hybrid of communities within it and i think that's where I think we can learn so much from gaming because they've really cracked that whole well, the game is how people initially connect but then it's it's a social side around that I think it's really exciting.
1: Yeah, and like, there was a, re- a piece of research that a social chain did about 3 or 4 years ago on gamers and the demographics of gamers. And I think if you look at the demographics of gamers, you know, that so if you've got the people who game casually, they, they maybe just play a game once in a while, and then it, it goes into the people who are really core cool and quite influential. And I think actually, I'll look for the research, but I think there's so much people can learn from the different tiers of gaming. I think sometimes as communications people, we often get into that trap where we lumber an audience all together, whereas I think... What the gaming industry has done really well is they know who their core audience is people who are going to buy all the time, and then maybe people on the periphery. And there was also a brilliant advert by Mercedes Benz a couple of years ago that actually took advantage of gaming and they had a lion, I think it was, yeah, it was a lion who was the character in it. And it was just a brilliant ad. It just captured your imagination and you just thought differently. It wasn't just the usual ads of a car just driving down the road on a sunny day. And and yeah, it just got you to think differently. And I think there is a misconception that most gamers are teenage boys in their bedroom, whereas actually there's a lot of people with huge disposable incomes who are really interested in gaming.
0: I also look at what brands are doing with gaming and link that to habits. So this year, the number one social entertainment activity for Gen Z has been gaming in fact tv and film is something like fourth because you've got music then you've got social media then that tv and film comes in so then you look at advertising and i'm hot on this looking at things like roblox because my kids play that and you've got brands doing some really interesting stuff so you've had like in Fortnite, travis scott live gig that you brought tickets to that you could experience then you could buy specific products charlie xcx launching an album in Roblox, and you could buy some specific products and that. High-end fashion brands doing things in-game. And that brand affinity and exclusiveness is really interesting. So previously, brands and artists would kind of have the, the franchises with movies or TV shows and, and look at kind of product placement. And I think we're going to see that more so in entertainment, like through gaming. It's become more socially acceptable. The dark side of that, and I guess the risky side of that, is we've seen a lot of stuff like these, because there's actual money that is spent on games the blind bag kind of early form of gambling you know like oh I'm going to have a mystery package I'm going to pay for this and I don't know what I'm going to get oh I need to have it again and there is that quite obsessive side which I think is concerning around a lot of games I think ethics wise it's a one to watch but I just think it's also really interesting because it feels like it's quite an experimental space at the moment particularly with music over the past year and the live gigs not being able to happen and events happening in game is kind of genius really and and reaching a much broader audience
1: yeah there was a there was a documentary on channel four which we'll link in the show notes on that which is quite interesting and eye-opening but i think also one of the things and i i I don't know football games and i'll probably say the wrong game i don't know whether it's fifa or something else please don't come for me because you know i'm a rugby person but when they honored the young man who was a victim of knife crime is it qpr
0: yeah it's qpr and then stunned and then did something in the game as well. Yeah. yeah. But how clever to target that audience that are likely to play in that game as well. I think brands can really win. Liverpool did something. I think they had something like an exclusive shirt offer. And there's loads of examples in that in Fortnite. And it goes back to that whole thing like, where is your audience? If they're in a game, can't you exist or have a conversation in there? So it's, it is comms. That's what I think what's fascinating. It's like when you boil it down, it's not like you don't have to be a gamer to get why they're doing this. And I think as a brand, yeah, you're not going to be able to create a special game necessarily if you haven't got that budget. But say if you're doing something to engaging young people, what games are your target audience playing? How can you have a relevant conversation, kind of look like you at least kind of appreciate their world? And then if you're selling something or looking at those kind of high end campaigns, like how can you be where they are and exist in those kind of games.
1: And also coming back to um Candy Crush, during the, the height of the first lockdown I know that the government used Candy Crush to get
0: COVID messages out to people. Really? Yeah, I'll find you the case study. Amazing. I think that's really interesting isn't it like about how addictive but like compelling a lot of games and they are like a bit of a stress release. It's just something else to do. Esports is the one that I get oh, we'll get into an argument about because like, just I esports is like an entertainment and gaming thing. It isn't an actual sport in the physical sense. So it's a game like there's big money behind it and it's entertaining. But that is very different for me to actual being active. And I think there's a lot of narrative like, oh, this is really good for young people. It's like, it's not going to make them fitter. It's not going to address their physical well-being at all. And interesting data around children, girls are playing games almost on a par with boys now. I think the average is like eight, nine hours a week up to like boys find it much harder to regulate their time than girls on games, which I just think is interesting. So I think always have a look at that kind of data as well because yes, you might want to appear in a game, but is it the right thing? Is you've just got to always take those kind of things in balance. But I think definitely from the channels and the apps used around gaming, I think they're going to be blown open for all sorts of industries now. Like I know Discord's being used by all sorts now, not just gaming. And I think that's really exciting. Thanks
1: for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes.
0: We're talking about the questions and issues that matter to you. So DM us on social or get in touch with harriet at commsovercoffee.com or myself, Rebecca, at threadandfable.com.
1: If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review, subscribe so others can find us and have five minutes with us. Find us on Twitter at RebeccaRoberts7 or
0: at HarrietSmallZ. Season two of Have You Got Five Minutes is brought to you in partnership with Nextdoor, the neighbourhood app that's used by one in seven households in the UK. This past 18 months, we've all needed to connect a little closer with the communities around us and Nextdoor are working to create a kinder place for people to have a neighbourhood that they can rely on. Tap into your neighbourhood at nextdoor.co.uk or download the app from your app store.